0: Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, Uh, this is your host, Sherry Ann Turpin, and you are listening to Making Culture and Afrofuturist Salon, Um, we're here after her five-year break, that's quite a long time, Um, and I'm not here by myself, Um, I'm here with a special, special guest tonight, um, his name is Ronald Mason. He is our president of the University of the District of Columbia. Um, but tonight he's going to be um, talking in a, different, in a different way tonight. And so I know him as President Mason, but I also know him as Ron. Um, and so for tonight... You're gonna be talking to me, Shari Ann and Ron. Good evening, Ron.
1: Uh right, Ann, how are you doing this evening?
0: I'm doing great, doing great. Um, first day of summer, beautiful day. Oh, kinds of craziness going on in this town, but we're not gonna we're not gonna get into that. we might end up dipping into it. But that's not why we're here tonight. And so um we will of course, will have uh, plenty of um, um listeners um who are um as we speak, who are um, calling in and who are listening and at some point um you know may have some questions may or may not. a lot of people um listen in using their computer um and you can do that, but if you are listening right now. And you would like to call in and you'd like to interact with us, um, yes, can call us at 516-387-1517. All right? Um, And so tonight, we're going to be talking about language. We're going to be talking about spoken word. We're going to be talking about poetry Um, Something I know a lot about and something that you, Ron, know a lot about. Um, And so I guess we could start by sort of asking you, um, how old were you when you wrote your first poem?
1: You know, that's a good question. Um, I can remember when I was in high school, uh, I, I, I I was in a poetry contest and I remember actually winning and get my stuff public got getting my poetry published. So I think that was the first time I can remember putting words to paper and trying to to make them rhyme, you know. Um yeah. and then yeah, you know, then over the years I just sort of stayed with it. And then when I was at Jackson State, I decided to try to use it to teach a course. And so I started putting the words to music and uh and then from there, I actually did a couple of times putting the words to music to videos, and you know, I just play with it on my computer, and and um, it's it's a it's a hobby as much as anything else.
0: Okay, okay, all right. So I can you know, and I can definitely um, definitely relate to that. Um, I used to keep a well, now they call them vlogs, but um, I used to keep a diary, and um, so I was one of those. Kids with big glasses. Um, always had a book in my hand. Um, sitting in a corner, I was either reading a book or I was writing. And so um, I would take my little diaries with me everywhere, and um, I would write poetry. And like you, I did um, the usual, you know, high school newspaper, and you know, and, and wrote, wrote poetry and got good feedback I imagine you got good feedback right pretty much yeah Um, but you know I didn't
1: um, I didn't have a diary that that wasn't me and I grew up in a a little house with a lot of children so for me a lot of times uh, you know writing was trying to uh, find a little peace and quiet and sort of getting into myself and my thoughts and getting off to the side and and uh, really, just as much of an outlet and escape as much as anything else.
0: I feel you on that. Um, yeah. And so, I didn't grow up in a house with uh, with a lot of kids. I have one brother, um, but I have two parents who were very invasive. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that's not a bad thing. You you want your parents to be in your lives, but uh, I found yeah. I that the best way of hiding things from my parents was to just. I uh, put it in my diary, and so I would write poetry, and I would take it to church and share it with um, a friend of mine. And of course, um, I went through a stage in which I was writing some naughty poetry. So I'm sitting in church writing poetry about things I'm not supposed to be writing about. And so there was oh. one place where I could <laughs> get away with it. Nobody knew the wiser. Uh, of course, I didn't. I didn't publish that, um, you know, in the school newspaper so um so you you so you writing has always been a, a part of a part of your life. What were you writing about um when you first started out?
1: Well, you know that's interesting uh
0: so i, I was raised Catholic, right,
1: and I was an altar okay. boy and uh you know pretty pretty much Joe Catholic, so I remember the first thing I wrote was really about god and uh, and From a Catholic perspective, because I went to a Catholic high school, and maybe that's why I won the award. I don't know. Uh, But then, as I got older, um, you know, and I understood the truth about Catholicism and institutional religion and that sort of stuff, and and the and the and the the truth about the Black struggle and the truth about America, then I I really just started writing more and more about about. Uh, you know, the truth as I see it um, in a way that um, not only uh, spoke the truth, but spoke the truth so that people would be able to hear it and want to listen to it as, as best so you I were could, re- you know.
0: Yeah. And so you grew up during, what, the 50s, the 70s?
1: So let me see now.
0: Uh, I don't want to say how old I I
1: don't mind saying how old I am. Yeah. Uh, So I was born in 53, and so I finished high school in 70. Okay. Um, And, uh, you know, so I I, I was right after the civil rights, think of the civil rights movement, right after the the student movement, at least at Columbia where I went to school. Um, But uh, I saw enough of it and, and, and heard enough of it and knew enough people who were in it to be able to get a perspective on, on what, what that was all about, you know?
0: Right, right. And that's, and, and no doubt, I mean, you're in the midst of it. If you, um, you, so you go from, um, you go from New Orleans, right? Which yeah. has a rich, beautiful history in and of itself. Um, mm-hmm. And you go from being black and Catholic in a, in a, place like New Orleans and of course I know that the history of black people in the Catholic Church in in the South and in particularly in New Orleans um, is a, is quite a complex and, and at times painful history. You go from there mm-hmm. to Columbia where in you're talking about New York and in, the, in, the, in the early 70s you know um, it, there was a, a sort of a radicalism I mean we're talking post Stonewall, we're talking about um, the riots um, during the mm-hmm. early 70s, um, the Black Power Movement, and of course, you know, along with the Black Power Movement, Black Nationalist Movement, the Black Arts Movement. So, yes. um, so how much of the Black Arts Movement uh, did you find yourself kind of absorbing?
1: Yeah, so that's interesting. You know, when I was at. Um... When I was in New Orleans, um, you know, that was when I, well, at least when I left New Orleans and went to New York, that was my first time on an airplane. And so it was really, yeah, really a, 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 I want to say a culture shock, but certainly a change in culture for me going from New Orleans to New York. Right. And uh, my second year there, um, I was fortunate, not fortunate, but yeah, fortunate is a good word. But I ended up uh, sharing an apartment with a guy named uh, Vernon Gibbs, who was the uh, music critic for Essence Magazine at the time. And oh, so wow. Vernon, yeah, so Vernon used to get all these tickets to all of this stuff. Um, and, you know, I was a poor kind of country boy from New Orleans. But uh, i tag along with him to see a lot of things. Um, You know, I saw so many concerts, uh, you know, that that, that now you can talk about looking back on it. It was really a rare and special opportunity for me to be able to have that kind of roommate with that kind of access to that kind of music and artists and everything else. And so, um, you know, the the, the idiom that, that it's better to be lucky than good in a lot of ways, I was lucky because I was in New York. I didn't have a whole lot of money, but I was in the right place in the right situation where I really was able to see and do a lot of things that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to do. Okay. Right
0: on, right on, right on. And that kind of goes along with when I, <laughs> when I first went down to Atlanta to go to Clark College, that was actually um, – I, well, I guess you could say that. Well, we drove down. My my family drove me down, and and then I got the the full treatment of the of the Atlanta Heat. Um, but drove going down Beffert from Christmas was,
1: Ohio, right? Drove yep, from Ohio. Cleveland,
0: Ohio. Oh, yep, Morning okay, yeah. race in in Cleveland, Ohio. I grew up in a little town called Bedford Heights, and you mm-hmm. know, one of those little all-American towns, um, uh, for better or for worse. And so I was very much, um, you know, and Cleveland, of course, has this history of being this sort of rock and roll city, but it also has a history in and of itself of being part of the black arts movement, something I didn't realize until um, I started uh, studying, uh, studying um, um, black, black art. And so going back home on a plane, that was my first time. But it was also my first time really getting seriously politically involved. 1984 um, was a pivotal year. Of course, we know about the re-election of Ronald Reagan. But for me, being able to to meet people like Jesse Jackson, Coretta Scott King, um, going to the Martin Luther King, um, you know, center, um, you know, mm-hmm. meeting. Um, Bernice King, we knew her as Bunny King back in the day um, meeting people mm-hmm. like that um, and getting involved with um, you know the you know with uh, elections and 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 politics and going to you know marches and protests that was uh, that was the first that was the first time you know meeting celebrities and whatnot and so mm-hmm. Um, it was my first time being in an all-black environment. I grew up oh. um, in <laughs> I grew up in the suburbs. Isn't that ironic? Um, you know, we're living here in Chocolate City, but I grew up um, around um, I mostly mostly uh, white people. Even though I have a very close family, and we were very you know very much family oriented, very church oriented. I grew up Protestant. Um, and so, going from one end of my family to Georgia, where my um, my mother's side of the family, it was uh, it was an experience I'd never been around southern black people, and so that was when I first began to understand um, a lot of the differences, but also the similarities. So, um, my writing. Um, I really was not doing very much with it, you know. When I was at when I was at Clark, it was mostly a, just still learning um, what it meant to, you know, to be a part of uh, to be a part of something, you know, to be in proximity of of uh, Morehouse and Stullman and Morris Brown, ITC, um, you know, Atlanta University. Um, you know, it was. Um, an almost overwhelming experience, but there was a transformation that happened with me. That's when I started getting into jazz music. So, um, That's it. How, yeah. So you know, so it's it's kind like, of
1: the reverse, kind of the reverse for me. You know, I grew up in a black neighborhood, went to a black uh, elementary school that they closed down and tore down. And, and, and made us go to the white school two blocks up the street. And at that time, we couldn't, it was a big church, like 2,000-seat church, but black folk could only sit in the last two rows of the church, right? And so, oh my God. um Yeah, well, that was when I started to understand Catholicism a little better. Um, right. But that was also my first time going to school with white kids. And so, you know, that um, really started to shape my experience. And then, you know, when I finished college, I actually didn't practice. When I finished law school, that is, I didn't practice law. I spent four years organizing um, poor, poor folks co-ops in the deep south. And so I got to go to all okay. of these uh, little towns um, with all, where all of these civil rights guys were. And so I got to meet all of them and, and see, you know, some of the real icons in the civil rights movement firsthand. Yeah. And then um, when that when I finished doing that, before I went to Tulane to be general counsel, I was law partners with a guy named Dave Dennis, who was the field director for CORE in Mississippi in the '60s, and he introduced me to all of the civil rights folks, the SNCC people, and the CORE people. And right. So uh, and so. Uh, But, you know, I was just thinking, uh, Sherry-Ann, when I really started writing, really, you know, more than than before, was when I took a trip to Africa for six weeks. And um, I remember I was at a a, a place. Huh? I went to Kenya and Tanzania. Kenya and Tanzania. Mm -hmm. And I was at a place in, uh, I think it was Kenya, called Bogomoya, where it was the departure point for... Africans who were leaving Africa on the boat to America to become slaves, and Moya means uh, I leave my heart here, and um, I, you know that was I wrote a poem about that, and I think that was really my first time when I started, uh, you know, seriously writing, um, you know, more and more after that. It, it didn't really occur to me until you were talking, and it just hit me as we were talking.
0: Wow. Well, I've never been to Africa. I've I've been Whoa. no, I've never been to Africa and I do I do want to go. Um I've you know, I've I've been to I've been to Europe but I've also been to South America. Um uh-huh. to Ecuador. And yeah, um and I Yeah, yeah. Eco Ecuador. That was a that was an experience, you know, getting off the plane and People thinking that I was from the um, that I was from the West Coast, Esmeralda, because that's where um, Black folks um, live. And it wasn't my first time where people assumed me to be Latina, but it really, you know, really, you know, kind of um, helped me to better understand um, the African diaspora as, Right. Really, be yeah. It's, it's just across languages and and, and borders and, and boundaries. Black black folks everywhere. There you go. There you go. And of course, you go into Kenya, um, and you see the departure points. Of course, the you know you have the echoes, the ancestral echoes to consider, and so that inspired you. Um, to to to, to write, and so yeah, and you know, the, um,
1: and the thing of, thing about yeah. Africa is that if you until you realize that black folk have their own continent, I mean it's a really big continent, and it's all black folk basically there. Um, it really does put in perspective, you know, our relationship to the rest of the world. You know, because you could you could take the whole of all of America. And pretty much put it in Nigeria, which is one small one country in a, in a huge continent. Um, right? Why were you Why why were you in Paraguay? Just out of curiosity. Um, um Ecuador. Um, I Ecuador. In
0: Ecuador. Ecuador. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was in Ecuador um, because I had been invited to go to um, a conference, um, and so. Um, there's a professor um, at UDC who was in the Spanish department, and um, she, is, she, um, you know, sort of introduced me to uh, what some of the work that she was doing. And so um, I gave a presentation, and um, partially English, partially Spanish. My Spanish is not the greatest, but I I made it through. Um, and every single time I end up some else where uh, English is not a, a primary language, I have to pull out what little um French I know and um I have to put my, my Spanish back into into practice. And so um it was uh it was it was a very surreal experience um seeing the um the similarities but of course the differences um, you know, meeting people who were, you know, who were uh, working, um, you know, in the outer reaches of of, of, um, of Ecuador. Um, and, of course, meeting people, there was a, I remember I was in a restaurant, and there was a woman, um, she was very short, maybe about 4'11", and she and I just sort of had this sort of nod. And I knew when I saw her, that she was, um, she was she was a spiritual person, um, perhaps um, you know uh, an indigenous uh, spiritual person. And so I'm a, um, you know I I'm somewhat I somewhat gone into other other ways of, of spirituality. And sometimes you meet up with people and you already kind of know and you have that energy. And in many ways, I was just like, oh, I have to really go back. <laughs> I, I loved it. It's um, going into old people, and I went into a, a, a Catholic church, and they're very expressive. They're very—it's—it's it, it's just the beauty of it. I—I I felt like, wow, this is this is this is some place that I must have been in a, in a previous life, and mm. so um, it was. It was some place I'd like to I'd like to return at some point, and so I kind of felt like that with that, but I also kind of felt like that about Venice, but for different reasons. Venice had a very different feel to it, um, but it you know it, it meeting people from all over the world. I was there uh, during the Biennale, and so um, being able to go through through all of the exhibits and whatnot, but it definitely had an influence on. You know, on my writing and my poetry? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if you've had a chance to read any of mine, but it. You know, I like working a lot with colors and textures. So I wanted to kind mm-hmm. of um, talk to you about that. When you okay. um, when you when you write, um, what is what's your what's your influence or who's your who's your influence? When I Look at mine. I can I can tell you where, uh, where a lot of mine kind of originate from. When I look at my poetry or my short story, um, I usually point to somebody like Erica Young, Henry Miller, Audrey Lord. Um Those are the mm-hmm. three that influence me. And notice I didn't say Toni Morrison, even though she does have some influence, but I you can't match up with her. I don't think any, I don't think anybody can in this century. Right. Those are the three that
1: I think of So, yeah, where so you, uh, at? you know yeah, You're a scholar and I'm not So I don't um, I can't say that I really um, I can't say that I can really uh, Trace w- what I Do to any specific Influence You know because mm-hmm. I've read a lot and I've Experienced a lot and Um you know, I've always liked poetry, from you know, from Frost to um, Langston Hughes, right? Uh, oh, hey, that's S. a big one. T. S. you know, one. tell me. Yeah, I mean, you take your pick. I've, I've read them all, and who knows? Who knows what I got from who, right? Um, but also, you know, I listen to a lot of these um, young artists today. You know, uh, the spoken yes. word folks, yes. the yes. the rap artists. And some of them are just just flat-out brilliant in the way they put words together and music together and, you know, uh, bring home a feeling of of what's actually going on in the world today. Uh, So, you know, I I, I don't know who I'm stealing it from.
0: (laughs) Well, I was about to say, well, my question is Erica Young. I didn't get into Erica Young as a scholar. I got into her when I was 15. And once, mm-hmm. and my mother, my mother used to make, you know, my mother used to take us to the library, and so mm-hmm. I, you know, I read those the little teenage novels. and I was like, okay, I'm done, and I just saw this colorful book, and it said, "Fear Flying," and "Fear Flying" um, was published um, in the early mid '70s um, right. about a woman who, well, you've heard of the book, and so Eric, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 she was she, she caused quite a scandal, um, you know, talking about the Zipless Fuck, you know, things like that. And I'm 15, uh-huh. and I'm not right. supposed to be reading that. But of course, my mother was like, wasn't really paying attention. She was taking out of the library. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like Pornnoise
1: complaint. Do you remember Port Noise complaint? I don't remember that one.
0: Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Uh-huh. Yes, I do. And so I, you know, I I read that one. Um you know, um, our bodies, Ourselves, Nancy Friday. Um, you know, sexual fantasies books. So, um, and then of course, when I first hit grad, um, first hit grad school, I went to a conference out in San Diego, and I saw Kathy Acker perform. God rest Your soul. And Kathy Acker was a woman who was covered with tattoos, short dyed blonde hair, piercing mm. all over the place, walking around in these electric blue leggings and talking and reading in such a brilliantly, um, awesomely offensive fashion or offensive to anybody who's, who's expecting, you know, high high culture. And I was like, wow, I've really been holding back here. And so I, after seeing that, um, and after experiencing that, um, I think that kind of combined with, you know, the Audre Lloyd stuff that I was reading when I was in undergrad, and combined with the um, Eric Young and all the feminist stuff that I was exposed to as a kid, and that's when I really started writing the way that I write now. And that's why, when you look at my blog, um, you know I make it a point of, of of not turning away and asking the audience to not turn away. So I wanted to kind of talk to you about a little bit about your writing because I've noticed that when you talk about all of the things that um, that you talk about, you know, uh, when you say, you know, when you talk about it's a shame. Um, and, you know, some of the other things um, that you, um, in your spoken word. Um, And so, folks, if you're not familiar, um, what Ron likes to do is, like, combine spoken word to music and sometimes perform it. And it can be somewhat shocking because, of course, you know, we live in an age in which we expect that somebody who is dressed up in a nice suit and you know, and and has that sort of nice, calm, persona can certainly really kind of shock the audience and get them to pay attention. And so, what I want to know is, how did you kind of break into what you what you do um, in your performances and what's your range? You know, she seems to you seem to like to do a, a lot. You have a you have a big range of. What you do when you're spoken word?
1: Okay, so let's not let's not overstate the performance part because I don't do a lot of performing, okay? And I really well, I know started, you know. Uh, yeah, but but I got a couple of things online, and I'll give folks the reference to that in a second. Um okay. But you know, I started I started all of this by by doing a CD. Or a class that I was teaching, or an honors seminar at Jackson State. And I just oh, wow. figured that it would be easier to get the students to, you know, kind of pay attention if I, if I put the themes to music and then supplemented it with some reading. I and mean, it worked pretty okay. good, I think. And all of the um, songs were message. So I call it message music, right? Uh, so, right. like, one was, called, one was called Two for One. And, and the lyrics went something like, you know, I'm a black man, I'm a dying breed, right? And yeah. uh, it's a story about how, you know, a, a one brother shoots another brother and one is dead and the other one spends the rest of his life in jail, two for one. And so, um, you know, we have a lot of, and I have one on capitalism and one on, uh, on what I call the Terminator, or, you know, basically the, the forces of oppression. Uh, that are yes. hard to overcome, and you know, and it made for a nice, nice uh, collection. But then after that, you know, I started uh, just doing sort of stuff for hobby. Once I learned the technology, because I do all of this stuff on a laptop, you know, and um, and so like on YouTube, I have something called Hell of a Sin, which is a takeoff on Gil Scott Heron's um, piece about. Um, the military-industrial complex. Okay. And uh, you know, if you go to YouTube and look up "hell of a sin," H-E-L-L-U-V-A, sin, s-i-n. Uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I do. Um,
0: okay.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, and I got, yeah. more, I got more stuff in my computer than than the world has seen. <laughs>
0: Well, so I guess the question, one uh, one question I have for you is why why haven't you shared more?
1: Um, part of it is just, um, you know, I'm 65 years old, so I don't see me doing a whole lot of uh, live performing. Um, you know, second, uh, a lot of it is pretty, how do I put it? Like I have one thing called Kaepernick where, I, you know, I talk okay. about, um, black athletes kneeling But also talk about the president Calling uh, You know black mamas bitches Right And yeah. um, you know Some things you can do As Ronald Mason But when you're the right. president of a university And you know you have to worry about the politics And the funding and all sorts of things You know I guess Even even now I still hesitate Sometimes to um you know let my um let my uh let my let my art if that if that's what it is you know it compromise my ability to do the best i can for the students that i'm serving you know and so well, i don't know if that's I, a cop I, yeah. I don't know if it's a cop out or what but but you know no, it's just um it's it's a, it's a it's delicate changed. balance yeah
0: well it's it's a, it's a delicate balance ron because you are basically having to um having to negotiate and 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 you know just even with uh, just even with the the whole idea of us. well i mean we're talking language here so that's that's basically mm. you know language meaning and whatnot and so names for instance um, and so um for whatever reason, I, I never referred to you by your first name. And mm-hmm. it kind of felt natural to just call you, you know, President Mason, you know, or whatnot. Um, but yeah. the reality of it is, is that you're still Ron, or you're still Ronald. You still, that name still, it, it's still there, but it's sort of put in, you know, sort of put in pause um, for, for a moment. But the way that I see it, <laughs> we're after hours. <laughs> we're after hours, and that is why I, you know, and so our and, and the way that our listeners see it, you know, and a lot of people are listening to the, uh, you know the podcast, if you're off after hours, um, and you know you're walking along the street, you know, or you're you know you're participating in a in a podcast, or you're you know you're going to a club and you know, you're going to the gas station, you're wrong. And you know, and the thing about it is is that you're you have a particular role, a very important role that you do play. But the artist, if you are an artist, also has a very important role. And that's pretty much how I how I played that along. And so, you know, I've had former students, you know, I, you know, you know, encounter me and I'll be like, uh, just call me Sherry Ann. It's it it so, it so hard. I'm like, eventually, eventually it's not going to get, it's not going to get that difficult. And this time you see me in, you know, in, in a grocery store and in a restaurant, you know, and I'm walking around and flip flops. well, you know, Sherry Ann, really. Um, and so once you once you're able to, to, to see it as, you know, it's a performative, but it's not necessarily something that will um, forever on end keep you from being able to express. And that's why for many years when I was writing, because I, um, I used to publish in a magazine called Corset, and I, I published these essays. Um, and folks, if you want to see the essay, You can look in my blog because I've I've republished them in my blog. Um, And I used the handle. um, And I used the handle because I was concerned that, you know, that my students would, you know, would see this and be like, oh, my gosh, she's writing about sex. And then when I started really teaching, and you know that I teach some pretty provocative topics, and I was like, why am I hiding Now, I'm not saying that that's your story because you have a particular role to play and a set of expectations and you have a public persona that you must maintain, but I made the decision because I felt that I needed to regain my creative voice in order for my professional voice to have any power, and that was my decision to make, and so um, I see a lot of poets doing that, where they'll take on a persona. Even Kathy Acker did that for some years. Um, her, not, you know, some of her earlier works were pu- published under pseudonyms. And so, you know, um, when I think about, um, you know, because I've had a chance to, 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 to actually look at what she did for, um, you know, on, on YouTube, um, there's the, um, the shame um, it's a Shame, which uh, has a lot to say about um, what happens to our, our men in our community um, and what happens to our people in our community. But there's also the joyful one. Um, there was one that I, um, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about that one. There's the one that seems to be about um, New Orleans and the, joy, the joyful part of that. Yeah, you want to talk yeah, about? Voodoo,
1: voodoo, voodoo, yeah, voodoo time past the wine. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was my, yeah. First, um, my first uh, video, music video experience. Uh, and it's really just about New Orleans, uh, scenes in New Orleans and music in New Orleans. You know, voodoo time past the wine. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a fun thing. And you can go to mm-hmm. YouTube and see that too. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not hiding it. I mean, look, I'm not the best. Um, I don't know that I'm the best. I, my, I think I, my words are pretty good, but I don't know that I'm the best performer of my words. Uh, and so, right. um, you know, so you know, if I could find some uh, young artists to take my words and and do something with it, I think that'd be great. You know, otherwise, okay. uh, one of my goals in life is, uh, you know, when I retire. To be the world's oldest uh, spoken word artist star, you know. Um, Great. So I, I figure I can start my second career when I hit about seventy, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes.
0: There, there, you go. And, um, and, and let's just say, I mean, when I, I am, um, I tried my hand at spoken word, um, but because I like my poetry to be a bit dense. At Mm -hmm. times You know It's not It doesn't always Translate Um, And part of it May be um, The structure Although over the years My I've gotten a bit more Into Into rhyme um, And my structures Are a bit um, They're a little Less dense Than they used to be And I do a lot more Cataloging in my poetry But To be honest with you I think part of it is just my accent. I'm very Midwestern, very. (sighs) I don't have that same cadence. And one of the things that I really like about um, what you have allowed us to experience is that um, you have, there's a natural kind of connection that you have. Um, you, the way that you speak, your your accent. Um, in fact, I was I was so fascinated. What part of New Orleans are you from? What w- which ward are you from? I'm
1: from. I don't know. I don't know if you know the difference, but I'm from the third ward, which is. Okay. Um, have you been to New Orleans? Have you been to New Orleans?
0: Several times. I've been to several times. I've been to New Orleans. Yes, I have. So um, the main.
1: Uh, you, if you if if, if there's so. Canal and Claiborne. That's um, that's like right in the middle of town, and so I grew okay. up a block from there, and uh, and about uh, six or seven blocks from the French Quarter. And oh, so, okay, so that's uh, not. Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah, right downtown. So a lot of where I a lot of where I hung out was in the French Quarter before it became a tourist. Uh, before they fixed it up for the tourists, you know. More like the, I don't know if you've right. seen the movie um, A Streetcar Named Desire. Yes, I have. Um, but, yeah, well, that's what the French Quarter was like when I was growing up there. You know, it was just an old oh. neighborhood that hadn't been reclaimed yet.
0: Well, um, i stayed so in the French Quarter. Yeah. 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 What, what, part yeah
1: of, I what part of the What year, I mean? Jeez,
0: uh, you know, I... Or it, well, it couldn't I have been
1: remember, when I was growing I, up. No, yeah, no, no, in the seventies, no, no, fixed no, 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 no. it up in no, the seventies,
0: you know. Well, and so I, um, I had a chance to, when I visited, um, I stayed in a, I stayed in a bed and breakfast actually. Um okay. it, was, uh, very, it was very, very nice, um, and it was I, I took a risk because I didn't I I didn't want to stay in a in a, in a brand name. Um, a hotel, and this was this was after Katrina. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was after it was after. Well, that was Katrina. fine, yeah,
1: because the quarter didn't flood Katrina. Yeah, but Sherri listen, right. um,
0: we were going to do this for about a half hour, and we had on... I think we did, I think we did pretty well. What do you What do you think? I think we did, I think we did pretty well. Yeah, I've
1: enjoyed it. I um, it was a good conversation, you know. Um, oh, yes, maybe, yes,
0: and, yes and maybe, indeed.
1: Yeah, maybe next time I'll figure out the technology and we could actually, uh, you know, play one of my pieces or something on your show. But I couldn't, I couldn't get, I couldn't figure out how to make that happen. You know.
0: Well, I'm going to help you with that for the next time. So, okay. um, so what? So, so we're going to, so we're going to kind of wrap this up for this evening. I think this was a great new start for this uh, for this podcast. Um, yeah. And Ron, you were you were you were a superstar tonight, and so I want, want to thank you for coming on board um, and sharing with us. And I'd like to invite you to come back, and sure. uh, we can get into some um, uh, some of your work. Because uh, what I'd like us to do for the next time is kind of um, kind of do a bit of an exchange and talk about um, you know uh, the poetry and and and, 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 and whatnot and. Your poetry yeah. and yeah, that would be awesome. All right. So audience, um you can um you can come back and, and listen again. Um but you know, stay tuned. Um we've got some um we've got some really fabulous um guests who are coming on, as well as the return of some guests um who have come in the past. And so Thank you so much for coming to listen tonight, and have a great evening. All right. Have a great night.
1: All right. See you later.